we've invited the director of athletics, John Hartwell, to be on with the show with us today to kind of give us some insight as to some of these big announcements that have been made and some just the changing dynamics of college athletics. It's a very, very strange time. And uh, John, thanks for spending some time with us here on the show. I know it's, uh, it, it's, there were some pretty exciting things happening this week with college football. Shots fired in the SEC. Thankfully, we're not having anything like that close to home. But uh, thanks for your time today, and hopefully we don't have to throw uh, uh, any uh, fire extinguishers with what's going on with any of your comments today. Yeah, no no question. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, there were, there were a couple of things that involve Aggie athletics that uh, got announced today so that, you know, you we wouldn't be uh, – uh, lacking for any topics to talk about, but uh, probably uh, yeah, first, gymnastics first, is one of the uh, ones. really excited to uh, to to make the announcement today that we hired Kristen White as our new gymnastics coach. It's uh, been about four weeks since uh, we found out that Amy Smith was departing to be uh, the first uh, gymnastics coach at uh, Clemson University, and they are starting up gymnastics, but. Uh, we are fired up and thrilled to have Kristen uh, join us. She comes from a tremendous pedigree, an Oklahoma native. She was a two-time All-American, the University of Oklahoma, where in her senior year uh, they finished uh, runner-up in the NCAA championships. She uh, she got a master's degree from Oklahoma, was a, a club uh, gymnastics coach at uh, Dynamo, which is one of the outstanding club programs in, in the whole country for about five or six years, got back into the collegiate side of things um, uh, at Oklahoma, or excuse me, at uh, Oklahoma, and then uh, went to Iowa State and Ames for uh, a couple of years. And we hire her from uh, Arizona State, where they have had a very successful program too. So uh, excited to get her uh, on board. And we had a Zoom meeting this morning. Uh, that is that is one of the positive byproducts of uh, – of COVID, if we can say there are a couple, is uh, the ability to unite people from all over the country and literally all over the world via Zoom meeting. So uh, we, we were able to gather our gymnastics student athletes today and, and had her on there, and she's already uh, contacted them individually as well. So she is up and running, and we're excited to get that position filled. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, and uh, I know that's Certainly, when you have a successful coach like Amy Smith and uh, what she was has done here, and how she's uh, brought the program back to national prominence, it's not an easy job to to to, to replace. But uh, excited for the future and what is is uh, uh, kind of now the next steps for USU gymnastics. So exciting announcement today! Yeah, that just happened uh, earlier today that uh, that was made official. So that's exciting. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, like you said, uh, finishing uh, in the top 25 uh, was a, a major accomplishment for us. But, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, I, I would much rather have to uh, do a coaching search um, on the heels of success than on the, on the uh, opposite end of that, on the, on the heels of uh, having to move on from a coach. And, and obviously – uh, we had a an unbelievable applicant pool. Um, people understand uh, the success that we've had in gymnastics, and and that it's a, a program that uh, you know is, is poised for future success. So, uh, but uh, Kristen really 
uh, rose uh, above the, the competition, if you will, in the uh, search process. And we're excited to, to have her and her uh, family move to Cache Valley. Uh, certainly one of the sports that has a lot of attention and, and gets a lot of people excited is football. And uh, we, there's been some recent things that have taken place with football. There's new turf that's down. That's, you know, a, a healthy field is always a good thing for the health of the players. Uh, but you there, you also announced that uh, Utah State Athletics is going to build a new indoor practice facility. Uh, Utah State already has an indoor facility. So how is this different and uh, how – Will that help take athletics to another to another level with what's going on with USU? Yeah, great question there, and it's interesting because the the reasons why we're looking to to build a second practice facility are, are almost parallel with uh, the reasons the University of Utah is doing the same thing. So you know, the Stan Lob Center has, has been uh, a huge benefit and a huge asset. Uh, for not just for Utah State athletics, but uh, utilized by campus as well as as the um, as well as the community some, and it will continue to be a very valuable asset for for Utah State athletics. Uh, but uh, it's only eighty. You know, the field inside is only eighty yards long. It only has one end zone, and and you know you could work around those things. But maybe the most difficult thing is. There for for those that have not been inside the facility from the sidelines marking the football field uh, to either steel beams or cinder block walls is about three or four feet and and certainly uh, not conducive to student athlete welfare or safety uh, in terms of trying to go you know live scrimmages in that building it's just not safe to do that so. Um, the proposed new facility, which we're in the fundraising phases of right now, have not totally fine. I mean, we, we put some conceptual things out there, haven't totally tweaked all the uh, nuances of the design yet. But uh, that facility will not only be, you know, a, a full 100-yard length plus the two end zones, uh, but it will have plenty of room on the sides as well because actually uh, we're going to build it to the specifications of a collegiate soccer field, yeah. uh, not it, not intended to replace Chuck and Gloria Bell Field at all, uh, but it, it would serve as a fallback uh, if we had inclement weather or if we had prolonged rain like we had this last fall. We actually had two, or excuse me, three soccer matches this last fall that we had to move. Ridgeline High School was kind enough to let us come down there. Um, play a couple of matches and we also had to play one down at the university of utah so uh looking to try to avoid that uh situation once this facility is built and, and it'll be built as far as i understand it on the existing what's called, known as the outdoor practice fields for uh for the football team just uh, north of the uh of the track is that is that yeah, basically yeah, where that, that is, will be located yeah, that is that is correct and the the north facing side which will be one of the sidelines of of the field there uh that side will be a building that will run the you know the full 100 and roughly 140 yards in in length and included in that building will be our new golf practice facility uh locker rooms and coaches offices for our soccer team 
as well as a visiting locker room for soccer because it will be located, you know, just uh, across a short walk across that uh, parking lot there to, to the soccer field uh, and some other storage components also likely having a, uh, you know, a practice throws room for track and field in there as well um, uh, with nets in it so that our uh, shot putters and discus throwers could, um, you know, can throw in there. It was funny the other day because somebody was asking me, said, well, do you all have that facility right now? I said, yeah, but very few people know where this is. So if you walk in the, the public entrance doors of the spectrum right there by where the ticket office is, mm-hmm. instead of going up the escalator or the stairs, if you walk straight ahead through those doors and kind of turn the corner there, there's a door back there, and there's actually a practice throws room in there, which is is not convenient at all to the rest of our track and field facilities. But uh, we'll, we'll relocate that. Um, practice throws area as well which will free up some much needed room in the uh, spectrum and what uh what's the projected timeline to get this done yeah we we don't have a finalized time yet we we do have uh we we've already secured um two seven figure gifts on on the facility and in process on some others too uh it at the end of the day, it's going to be a thirty to thirty-two million dollar project, and, and we're hopeful um, to to get that raised here in the next six to eight months at the most. So I would say we're probably looking at uh, you know eighteen months to start construction, and probably realistically uh, you know two and a half years till completion. That's a big project, but yeah. as you've uh, indicated, it's not just a football facility. A lot of different athletics will benefit from it. So, yeah, actually, it's actually, it will touch almost every one of our student athletes because uh, the the existing Stan Law Law facility literally six days a week, and there's also some Sunday activities in there as well. But literally six days a week from five a.m. till eleven p.m. every day, that thing is booked solid. So. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, by pulling uh, the most of football's use out of there, uh, it will free up some additional time for some of our other sports. Uh, and, and in the existing indoor facility, we're going to look at putting a, uh, a netting system in there where, you know, the ability to drop a net or two nets where you could have, uh, you know, softball at one end and uh, soccer at the other end or, you know, uh, other examples like that. So uh, really uh, the, the freeing up of the, of the stand lob complex is going to be beneficial to all of our student athletes. Earlier uh, this week, uh, actually it was tail end last week, uh, it was announced that BYU was going to be canceling its future games with Utah State, at least those that were under contract. They did have an out clause, and they're exercising it. Uh, Utah State's not alone in future games being canceled for for BYU, but you issued a statement, and and so did uh, BYU, that both sides would like to see the series continue but what does that look like in the future? And then coupled with that, how do you replace BYU on the schedule currently? Yeah, so so Tom Homo and I have had several conversations. In fact, it was interesting because uh, uh, two weeks ago uh, when uh, several conferences were having their meetings in Scottsdale, including the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the Mountain West, 
uh, along with um, a couple of days of activities uh, that the Fiesta Bowl sponsors, actually Tom and Mark Harlan and uh, and I were all down there together. So we got a chance to, you know, to visit in various circles there. And, and we're committed to trying to put some games out there um, in the future. But obviously the Big 12 going to a nine-game conference schedule, um, the you know, the availability for them um, was reduced. Uh, I have had several people ask me, said, well, why aren't they paying you guys out? Now, they, they did have the foresight, uh, and they've had this in their, in their contracts uh, for several years, just basically said, hey, if, if a conference affiliation opportunity becomes available, uh, you know, the, the ability to, to null and void these contracts going forward is there, and they utilize that clause in there. Uh, but, you know, I, I would see uh, a scenario where we could potentially play them, you know, two out of every four, two out of every six years. Uh, we don't have anything definite on the schedule yet. Our, our more immediate uh, needs are to, to fill that hole in 23, which is a home game. Um, the good news, as you alluded to, you know, with some of this conference realignment uh, between the American uh, Conference USA, uh, the Big 12, what's going on, uh, we are in negotiation or in conversations right now with, with several opportunities, with, which, I, um, you know, is, is going to allow us, I think, to have or I know to have a, uh, a pretty attractive home game to replace that game. And then we're, we're working on some other series as well. In fact, uh uh, my deputy AD Jerry Bovey spent most of his day today. He was working on football scheduling stuff. So um, look, look for uh, a lot of that to crystallize here, probably over the next two to four weeks. Oh, it's exciting, uh, and I guess uh, coupled with that is it's anytime that discussion is had about BYU and, and future schedules there. Is there any movement on getting Utah on the schedule <laughs> at some point in the future? Well, obviously, they're going to have some voids, too, because uh, BYU is stepping away from some of those games. Mark and I have talked, and and as always, I have left that door open. Uh, but, uh, you know, whether it's uh, Utah or uh, BYU, we have no interest in playing either one of them in a guarantee game. In other words, where we receive money for going there, uh, the, the only thing that we would be interested in with either of them uh, is you know a home and home, and uh, you know we'll continue, we'll continue to have that uh, stance, and uh, and hopefully come to fruition uh, sooner than later uh, with our friends in Salt Lake City. Well, certainly applaud you for for sticking to your guns on that one. Um, but uh, one other topic that's certainly a hot one this week, especially, and it has been brewing for several months. Name, image, likeness, how it's being used in recruiting, uh, allegations from being thrown around. Uh, but as a university, as an athletic department, um, you've joined many other athletic departments in trying to get your arms around this a little bit with going to uh, an organization to help navigate some of these waters. Explain kind of why you decided to go that route and why it can potentially benefit the athletes. Yeah, I will. Let me. Can I touch on one other thing, football-wise? And and I don't know if you saw this yeah. today, or not, Eric. Uh, and this actually came out of some action we took um, in the Division One Council 
Um, oh, on yes, Wednesday, about which I am actually yes, I did want to ask you about that. in an interim role as the uh, Mountain West represent, representative on the Division One Council now. But in, in essence, what was decided was previously, in order for a uh, a conference to have a championship game, you had to have two divisions and have the winner of each division. The Division One Council, at the rec- recommendation of the Football Oversight Committee. Uh, decided or made the recommendation to eliminate that requirement and allow teams to take their um, uh, top two teams to participate in the conference championship game. And so we had an athletic directors meeting yesterday uh, for the Mountain West, which that was voted upon. And then the president's, the board, uh, of the Mount West met this morning and they uh, confirmed that. So there was an announcement released today that says starting in 2023, we're going to keep divisions for the upcoming 2022 season, but for 2023 uh, to, to eliminate the two divisions, which will cause a change in our, in our scheduling methodology. Um, but uh, the top two teams will play in the Mountain West championship game. And, and the rationale behind that, is uh, the best thing that can happen for us as a league and for whoever that team may be is to get one of our teams as that guaranteed slot of a group of five team into the New Year Six Bowl. It obviously uh, creates uh, additional uh, recognition and for, for our league and for that individual institution, but it also means about $6 million, too, uh, mm-hmm. which... which uh, Right now, our formula is that two million of that would go to the participating team. The other two million, or excuse me, four million of that goes into a pot for the Mountain West to split. So it would benefit every team. So we are going to adopt that. Um, we we have got a a uh, model or a draft schedule for the twenty three through twenty five seasons, and the reason we're only looking at doing that for. <clears throat> three years is uh, that mirrors what our television contract is. And so what will happen in that three year period? And uh, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, we'll be able to, to get this solidified here uh, again, probably in the next uh, four to six weeks is in that three year period, you will have two teams that you will play all three years. And then the other, um, the other nine teams, uh, you will rotate and play everybody in the league home and away one time. And so that, that math formula is way beyond me, but we have a guy that, that works with the Mountain West, actually works with about every league there is, named Kevin Paga, who is uh, kind of a scheduling matrix guru, and he has worked with the league to help us do that. So uh, that that's what you'll see in terms of scheduling for for the 23, 24, and 25 football seasons. Yeah, thank you for, for getting there. I, I made a note to get there, and I <laughs> didn't see it. So I'm glad you brought that up. Cause, no, uh, but I, I promise I wasn't trying to stall on NIL. You know, I was <laughs> just waiting to see if anything else broke on social media where uh, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban had agreed to a cage match to fight (laughs) things out. (laughs) Well, yeah, SEC commissioner put them in timeout for a minute. But uh, real quick, with with the scheduling, I think it's the 
uh, the ACC, they're saying we're going to do a three-five-five, which kind of sounds similar to what you're suggesting here, is where you've got some automatic, regular rivalries that you can expect, or regular teams on your schedule, and then a rotation uh, in other years from the those other teams. Uh, and so uh, that's exciting, I think, to see what you know who gets selected as your yeah, regular really teams. And, and makes and for better draft, TV. I, I'm not at liberty to say in in the who, who our two permanent uh, opponents would be for those three years. But uh, one of them is a very familiar face. And the other one, while people may not think of them right off the bat as a natural rivalry, I think uh, I, I think people will be pleased with who our teams are going to be. And, again, I, I think we're going to be able to get that finalized here um, probably in the next four to six weeks. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, again, talking to John Hartwell, the director of athletics for Utah State, and uh, we do have to get to this last topic with name, image, likeness. Sure. Uh, from your point of view, how has it affected athletics, particularly in those revenue sports of football and uh, in men's basketball? And what is your role as an athletic director to kind of navigate those waters as it seems to be changing all the time? Yeah, and and. Sorry, uh, we changed tracks there again for a minute. But as you mentioned a few minutes ago, we've actually contracted with a company called Open Doors, um, and, and quite a few institutions across the country have done that. Uh, it's, <laughs> for lack of a better better uh, term or analogy, it's almost like a, uh, a a dating service, Match.com, or one of those like that. It, and what it does is it allows all of our student athletes in every sport to go in and create a profile for themselves um, and then uh, has the, the same type of thing for any uh, companies or any individuals who are looking to potentially hire student athletes to do name, image, and likeness um, promotions for them and basically serves as a vehicle and a database to connect those. So we're excited about getting that up and running. Probably uh, we, we announced the uh, agreement last week. Uh, we we'll, are currently working on getting that system up and running. And, and that, I think that's going to be a huge benefit, not just to our, you know, football and, and basketball student athletes, but across the board uh, present some opportunities to, to student athletes. But, you know, as you said, it, it has, um, the, the cat is out of the bag, and it, and it has been for, what, almost 11 months now. Uh, but, you know, the two, two primary pillars that this whole thing was started on or was introduced by the NCAA uh, on were the terms fair market value and, um, you know, institutional involvement was not allowed. And, and you know... <laughs> All you got to do is pick up the paper every day to see where both of those things have gone out the window because there's no way you can say uh, that a quarterback at Long Beach Poly High School who has never played a collegiate down uh, is going to go to the University of Tennessee and that he is worth $2 million a year in whatever the endorsement deals they have set up at a, you know, in, in a almost uh, a guaranteed deal for four years or eight million dollars worth that uh, that was never the intention um there you know there is uh 
there's strong conversation. I think every, I know every athletic director and I think every football coach uh, would agree that with, with those deals like that, the, the tail is wagging the dog. That was not the intention at all. Um, and, and, you know, with uh, Mark Emmert, uh, announcing a couple of weeks ago that, that he was going to transition out of his role at the NCAA. Uh, the combination of that and the fact uh, that we are in an election year, um, you know, I don't, a lot of people said, oh, well, we need uh, Congress intervention. I don't think in an election year uh, you're, you're going to see uh, either on the House side or the Senate side, people step in and, and it's just too much of a divided topic right now. Um, and, and it's a mess. I, I will absolutely tell you it's a mess. And especially when combined with the transfer portal, um, and, and we would all be naive if we didn't think there were street agents shopping uh, student athletes around. You know, you, I mean, you've read about it. you read about oh, yeah. it. You know, the basketball player that left Kansas State that went to Miami for a reported $800,000 a year, and then the Miami kid said, hey, you know, I was the leading scorer on a team that took us to the Elite Eight this year. I don't have that much money, and if, if you don't show me a deal that's worth that much money, I'm going in the transfer portal tomorrow. So that, that, is, that is clearly not what was intended, uh, but, but some of the real-life examples we have right now, fortunately, things – at that, you know, to that extreme have not uh, happened uh, to our student athletes. Uh, you know, we, we have been involved with uh, some, some transfer um, kids and, and they have inquired to say, well, hey, what, what, what are you going to guarantee me from a NIL deal? And, you know, we say, hey, we've got some, student athletes who have opportunities and have deals, but they're, you know, we, we're not in that business. And, and, you know, there, there are some institutions, maybe not directly from the institution themselves, but some people acting as agents or boosters or whatever, uh, that, that are making those kind of guarantees. And it's, uh, it, it's a slippery slope right now. And then my last questions on this and, and just to wrap up, um, one, how much is Utah State at a disadvantage compared to universities in larger markets or with larger you know, alumni networks to be able to compete in this new sphere? Uh, and then, two, just um, you know, where how does that affect? Like, you're kind of competing now with local businesses. You're trying to get donations to fund your projects and. Uh, what you're doing, but now they these businesses have a decision to make. Do I give my money to the institution or do I give it to the athlete specifically for my own purposes? So uh, how does that affect what, what you're doing on a fundraising level? Yeah, it, it absolutely does, Eric. And, and you've got several silos here. So you've got, you know, uh, let, let's just take it from a corporate level, maybe the easiest way to do it. And you've got XYZ company in Cash Valley, and they buy X number of season tickets, you know, for for employees and and customers and stuff like that. So that's one silo. Maybe the either the company themselves or the the ownership of the company or the high level executives 
you know, make annual donations over and above their ticket. So that's a second silo. Um, you know, just like this capital project we have going, we, we're out seeking, you know, donations for people to, to give towards capital projects. So that's another silo. Um, you've got the corporate sponsorship aspect, uh, you know, to have signage in our venues and, and on our broadcast, uh, you know, ads on our broadcast. So that's another silo. And then you have name image likeness. So you've got, you know, individual student athletes trying to get a piece of the pie. And so that's another silo. And, and I'll introduce one other one. And I know we're running short on time. But you've got, uh, you know, the Austin case money where basically now the NCAA has said, hey, you can award up to $5,980 on an annual basis to student athletes for, quote, additional educational expenses. Uh, Yet another just total farce of a term because (laughs) it's just okay, okaying to put more money in people's pockets. So. You've got some institutions out there that are trying to seek donations to yet put another amount of money in kids' pockets. So I, I even think at the highest level, at the Texas or Texas A&M's or Tennessee's or Ohio State's, there is some um, you know, level of cannibalism between all those silos. I mean, at some point, even the deep, deep pocket uh, people or companies only have so much and, and you don't even, you know, throw inflation and, and the current situation in the stock market on top of it. And that impacts that even more. So yes, that, that is a real, real, uh, challenge, uh, not just for Utah state, but for many institutions across the country. And, and again, um, you know, we're going to try to continue to do everything that we can to provide, uh, the resources we can for our student athletes, but at the same time, we've got to prioritize those. Obviously, scholarships are a priority. You know, operating expenses uh, to be able to allow teams to compete are going to be a priority. Um, and, and we're going to try to open up as many avenues to NIL and to do some of these other things as we can. But you're right, there. The, <laughs> You can only stretch the dollar or dollars so far, and it, it is a uh, it is an ongoing challenge on a daily basis for it. You know, I, I do think you're going to see the pendulum swing back a little bit at some point because the other thing that's impacting it right now is all of these kids who, you know, got an additional year of eligibility because of COVID. So, you, you know, just for round numbers, you've got 25% more student athletes in the market right now than you would, uh, you know, than you did pre COVID or you will have once these student athletes matriculate out. So I think that will, that will swing the pendulum back a little bit. The other thing, um, you know, the vast majority of student athletes, whether male or female, regardless of sport, they're competitive and they want to play. And one thing that hadn't changed is in basketball, you can only have five players on the court at one time. You're only playing a 40-minute game. In football, you can only have 11 players on the field at one time. You're playing a 60-minute game. So that hasn't changed. And I think the lure of you know, chasing dollars here or there 
that, that is not going to set you for life. Although somebody could argue, say, hey, the kid at Cal Poly or at uh, Long Beach Poly going to Tennessee, yeah, that, that could change his life. I, I don't disagree with that. But the ten thousand, you know, the thousand dollar deals here, even the ten thousand dollar deals here, there, that's not enough for a lifetime. So I think you are going to see the pendulum swing back a little bit. And quite frankly, too, I don't know if I'd use the term sweet spot, but you know, I I don't dislike the position we're in at Utah State because I think some of these bidding wars that you're going to have at the Power Five level, um, at, at some point. Uh, people aren't going to be able to afford the, the the price of poker, and I still think we're we're going to be able to attract you know high quality student athletes who want to get a good education, who who want to compete at the highest level, and who want to develop. And I I don't think that's going to change for us. But as administrators, at coach as coaches, we've got to continue to look at opportunities. Uh, so that we don't get left behind in this. The only other thing I will mention is really quick. You talk about major markets. Yeah, that that is a a consideration and a concern because I'll tell you just candidly in our league, um, UNLV uh, men's and women's basketball. They have now it's it's a couple of different dealerships, but they have a a conglomerate of car dealerships that are based out of the Vegas area. Uh, they they are not giving cars per se, but they are uh, providing what they call car stipends uh, to every men's and women's basketball player at UNLV. So yeah, that that's real. That's in our league. And that's, you know, something that we we've got to uh, compete against from a recruiting standpoint. It's wild, wild west. (laughs) I think that there will be some guidance. I think there's enough people jumping up and down, that you know, each state is different, each conference, each school seems to have a different approach to it. So I think you're right. I think at some point there will be some something legislated, but uh, <laughs> it may be a while. But, uh, but you know, good for the athletes for being able to, to benefit from it. But uh, right now it's, yeah, it's crazy. So, But appreciate the insight. I know it's a, it's a wild time with a lot of things going on, and I know you're busy trying to handle it all, but appreciate you, the time that you were able to spend with us today and trying to navigate some of this uh, craziness and also good news and exciting news. For yeah, what's going absolutely. On in Utah State. And as always, uh, appreciate the opportunity to visit with you, Eric, and uh, appreciate uh, you guys' support and the support of uh, – you know all the Aggies in Cash Valley, and uh, yeah, cha- challenges are challenges here. But uh, as a glass half full person, uh, we'll view those as opportunities. And uh, I- I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, we do still have ten athletes who are competing. We've got ten track and field uh, student athletes who will be going to Fayetteville, Arkansas next week for the NCAA track and outdoor track and field. Uh, regionals and so we we do still have a handful competing and uh, you know it'll be August before we know it and uh, soccer and volleyball and men's and women's cross country and and football cranking up but uh, yeah always good to visit with you and appreciate the opportunity. All right, thank you John Hartwell Director of Athletics at Utah State University. Thanks for your time. Have a good weekend. Thanks Eric, you as well.